the Staff and Graph podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. Inlinks are salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome to the Staff and Graph podcast. I'm Rachel, and joining me for a special post-trade line edition of the show is Jesse Marshall. Jesse, what's up, buddy? It's good to be back. It's nice to uh, be in this old familiar seat again. Are you happy with the Penguins, or do we want to do we want to save that to the end and rile you up, or how do we want to do this? <laughs> um, I'm fine. You know, I think that. Um... You get you get you you know you buy buy the ticket and take the ride, Rachel. Right. So I think that like you have to acknowledge to some extent, right? To some extent, the like the core group of players, Latang, Crosby, Malkin, even like to some extent, Rust, Gensel, like these guys have been good. They've been okay, good, right? Not like world changingly great, right? But like high level good. I think the frustration everybody has is, like, it would be one thing if, like, Ron Hextel had rounded the team out really well and this, these guys just weren't good enough anymore. Like, we'd all, I think everyone, we in Pittsburgh would all be accepting of that and be like, okay, we wanted this band back together. Everyone wanted to see the group together and, like, ride off into the sunset. If they suck, they suck. It, it, well, it is what it is. We got to live with it. That's not the case, though. They don't suck. You know, like, I think the frustration is is that, like, all the work that was done around the trade deadline, all of the work that was done around the trade deadline was work that Ron Hextall did to undo things that he had just done in the months earlier, right? Like he's making these immediate 180s and pivots off of guys that he was a hard, hard buy on, right? Guys that were mostly, Rachel, empty sweaters that were providing yeah. no net positive value to the team, um, you know, just along for the ride past, like Brock McGinn, Kasperi Kapanen, so they're in cap hell, right? Like, I don't think anyone in Pittsburgh was expecting Timo Meyer. Like, that's out of no. out, outrageous. But I think, like, ultimately, if you want to ask the question is, are the Penguins better now than they were when we went into the deadline? The answer is rice grain, yes. Mar- and it's only because Hextall admit, like, swallowed his pride a little bit, got rid of some of his dead weight, and and brought some fresh faces in. These aren't fresh faces that are like Nick Benino and Mikael Granlin are not going to turn your top six upside down. They're not. No, they're just not. But like it's better than what they had. <laughs> it's like better than. Did what they you? Had. How do you feel about Hextall being saved apparently from himself by the Canucks turning down a JT Miller deal? Like, how would what would you have said if we were sitting here today and the Penguins? had the full freight of JT Miller's new contract and no first round picks the next like year. And then like no second round picks for like the next two or three people in Pittsburgh don't know what cap hell is until that contract would have been on the books next season, Rachel, they'd have been playing with four defensemen. <laughs> they'd, have, they'd have been icing like six forwards and five D every night. Uh, Cause they wouldn't have had enough money to fill out the rest of the team. Uh, I it's, it's look, 
uh, situation up there is what it is, right? I think it, like well documented, right? Uh, <laughs> it's a situation they are over the cap situation. for next year. <laughs> but what I mean, no, I mean like even just a situation like his response to things and like he hasn't been the most peachy character, right? I, I don't. I don't know that he plays a style of hockey right now, Rachel. It's in line with like what Mike Sullivan's looking for. Um, you could ask that right. same question of like Dmitry Kulikov and Nick Benito. <laughs> but I, I, you know, where I'm going is like I don't think it was a good match. Like I don't think it was a good match. Uh, I, like, to your point, it's like thank goodness it didn't work out because there's again there's no way moving forward next year and beyond. That's that's a hefty hefty contract. Uh, that they just cannot afford to be saddled with. They already have contracts like that that they've already saddled themselves with. They can't afford to take on another. Oh, yeah. I feel like every team has contracts that they're saddled with, and it's like a competition of either who can not sign those, Carolina, and who can figure out how to get rid of them. Like, it's just kind of one of those things. Who can tuck them away in the desert um, exactly. where unused cap space is... Um, you know, hopefully going to turn Which into is a like, 50 goal scorer for them soon, but <laughs> for real, like that, I think the, uh, somebody calculated like the unused cap space has, or the dead cap space has more career games played in points than the actual coyotes roster. There's, we got to be careful because somebody's <laughs> going to well, actually us in the replies to this and tell us why this is a good thing for the coyotes and how we're totally misvaluing all this, this financial yeah. flexibility that they have. And it's their future is so bright. The, we just don't understand the, thing- the plan. I couldn't work the there. You know I... why? I can't wear the same clothes as all my coworkers. I just want to get that out right now. I just want you to know that. It would never <laughs> work for me. I like to wear like, you know, crazy socks, plaid socks or something, you know? You can't tell me I got to wear that blue suit like with that, oh, you know, no. with like sheen on. It was like a sheen blue. I can't do that. Sorry. I was there live and it was not nice, but like- Did light right thing... in your eyeball probably. You're blind. I would uh, yeah. I, I have the blue light glasses and trust me, I needed them. Like, the thing is, is I see a bunch of people saying, like, move the coyotes, move the coyotes. I don't think that's a good solution, because if you actually dig deep down, the Arizona Coyotes, arguably, outside of maybe a few teams, have done the best job in terms of growing girls hockey. And they have just such a fantastic partnership. And if you look at some of the hockey players that are are coming out of there, whether it's Austin Matthews and Matthew Nyes, or you have a legitimate girls hockey program that gives little girls a space to play and I know that's like super important for you it's obviously very important for me like I think having the coyotes there like you need to keep them there because what they're doing in the community is super important but like could we get owners that aren't this way please like you look at it some of the best owners in sports are in hockey like David Thompson and Mark Chipman in Winnipeg are are amazing owners right if you could get an owner in there that isn't going to act like this and isn't going to try and yeah like try and get bailouts like I think you could have something there like an owner that's truly invested in building the coyotes you could really have something because there's clearly a market for them or they wouldn't be having this level of impact at the grassroots level and so I don't think moving them is the solution I think the solution is maybe vet a better owner like yeah, it's a toxic corporate culture is what it feels like. You know what I mean? Like boiler room stock sales type stuff, you know, like where you're locked in a cubicle and you're like, I don't know. Some of the stories that came out about that place were really um, concerning, disturbing, and yeah, discouraging. So uh, you're 100% correct. Um, there's, you, and, and to your point, you can't 
something that's that has is so deeply rooted in that area can't be picked up and transplanted somewhere else as far as the women's hockey thing is concerned. Um, you can't just create that environment out of thin air. It takes years, decades to build that kind of thing. Um, so it can't just be supplanted. Uh, but yeah, uh, new owners, that'd be great. Or, comp, you know, just do less. Be, be a little less, um, yeah. Be a little less uh, involved, let's just say. Okay, the other... One Pennsylvania team to another. Can we talk about what's happening in Philadelphia, please? Like, <laughs> So I talked to Charlie O'Connor. I was going back through my DMs with Charlie, who works for The Athletic, um, who was telling me, like, I was like, what, what, what's a reasonable expectation for Ron Hextall? This is back when he got hired, right? And he tells right. me all this stuff. You know, he's like, he operates on fear. He doesn't want to make these big decisions, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff proves to be true. But then they went from that, right? They went from that to Chuck Fletcher. If you ask mm-hmm. me what's worse, I don't know that there is an answer. I mean, I think with Ron Hextall, like, you, I, I at least somewhat trust certain levels of his player evaluation process. The, the Flyers are stuck in a real terrible purgatory. And you listen to the stuff that's coming out of John Tortorella's mouth, and it's like, it's going <laughs> to take, take ages to get out of this. And then the, the management's like, no, 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 no. It's actually, we're really close. We just, you know, we're rebuilding on the fly. We're retinkering or retooling, I think was the word. Retooling. I don't even know. Yeah, that word should just be banned. <laughs> it's it's not a rivalry anymore. That sucks though, Rachel, because it was like one of the best rivalries in hockey for a really long time. Um, that 2011 series, the Penguins came out on the wrong side of it, but it was chaos, absolute chaos. Uh, like, this is now, you know, it's just stinks. It's, it's horrible. It's not worth watching. What is the, cause I could not wrap my head around this when it all went down on Friday. What is the purpose of acquiring Brendan Lemieux and not trading James Van Riemsdyk? Like Brendan Lemieux is a pending UFA. Were you just acquiring him because Tony D'Angelo and Ivan Provorov wanted like a third? They want to start friend? a podcast. Yeah, they have this. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have enough people for their podcast. They needed a third person. Uh, the, the Van Riemsdyk thing, especially, is super criminal, right? I mean, that's unbelievably negligent. Um, yeah. Forget spending assets or like any kind of asset on a rental. Um, not moving. I mean, it's just it's just that fear, Rachel, of taking that leap. Right. That's what it is. Yeah, it's hard work taking a roster, tearing it down, getting the right assets, taking those assets, investing them the right way, and being smart about all those steps. All your development, top down, all the way through the AHL, has to be right. Your scouting departments have to be right. It's terrifying to take that leap, but you can't keep one foot in the deep end and one foot in the shallow end at the same time, like they're trying to do. You're just going to perpetually finish in a non-lottery position over and over and over again. Uh, and and like not, not improve your team in any tangible fashion at all. Well, like, and it was interesting because they had like it was not a secret that Johnny Goudreau wanted to go there. Like it was pretty well known in hockey circles, and they said instead of Johnny Goudreau, we are going to we could get Johnny Goudreau for free. Instead, we are going to pay assets to acquire Rasmus Ristolainen and Tony D'Angelo for the same amount of money. So instead of getting like a free asset for the who is good, you got two assets, one of which has now got himself in a situation with his head coach where his head coach goes, 
he wasn't as good defensively as I thought he was going to be. And to be fair, that could be said about either defenseman they acquired. They worked but so like, hard to get what? out from under Andrew McDonald. And then this happens. <laughs> it's just like it's an avalanche of bad defensemen just keep falling on them. And they can't stop it. The walls are caving in. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. And then like, I don't know. What evidence <laughs> is my question? What evidence were they p- pondering that led them to the decision that these guys were like going to fundamentally make their team more difficult to play against in their own end? <laughs> What's funny is I actually know somebody in their analytics department and like before he got hired, we had many a conversation about those two defensemen specifically, actually. And he's like, I just like don't see how they're above replacement value. Like and in Tony D'Angelo's case, he's above replacement, but like the off ice stuff makes him extremely replaceable. Like Carolina was like, nah, you know what? We're good. Thanks. Um, and the Rangers, nah, we're good, thanks. Um, but there's like a well, selective the- belief there, Rachel, right? Like, that's what it is. Like, Ron Hextall does the same thing. And it's not like people say, like, well, they don't believe in analytics. These GMs don't believe in it. And they do. No, they believe when it they when support- they suit them. Boom. There it is. <laughs> when it supports their opinion, it's the greatest news of all time. Oh, my, I was right. Bingo. But when it's going, no, it's. <laughs> It's not accounting for X, Y, Z and all this laundry list of stuff that I have, these intangibles that we can never quantify. That's the reason why this isn't working. I, uh, yeah, I can't stand it. I think. Go ahead. Yeah. The the Philadelphia Flyers are not winning because of intangibles is, I think, definitely the, the, the reason that they're not winning and not at all because they have like seven awful contracts. And then you've got like, this is why, like somebody texted me and said like, do the Flyers now have, like, the worst dressing room in hockey? John Tortorella is known for being, like, a culture-changing guy. And he was super successful with it in Columbus. Um, if you think about kind of the direction that they got going in um, with what he did, obviously successful in Tampa, successful in with the Rangers as well. Like, he's a culture guy. But, like, you put Ivan Provorov, Tony D'Angelo, and Brendan Lemieux, who all have very public, like question marks let's call it about who they are as people yeah the faculties have to exist for you to be able to <laughs> succeed in that situation um and we're slowly talking about like off ice stuff here like i gotta keep going back like it, it's a marriage between the on ice and off ice product they're both bad right they're both bad <laughs> they both draw attention in a bad way it's I, I just how much longer will they allow this to go on from a managerial like ownership wise like how long can they what's the leash look like here for fletcher oh because he's obviously sold them rachel he's obviously sold them on something right yeah there's a a part of me that's like okay so publicly his contract is up this year but like would they there's a part of me that thinks just like knowing kind of on the inside like do they allow him to make these kind of moves if he doesn't have some sort of extension. Like, I can't imagine that you have a lame duck GM, and this is not even remotely close to the Kyle Dubas situation, because that's a good hockey team. Um, Like, with Chuck Fletcher, are you allowing a guy, if you think you're going to not extend him, fire him, whatever the case may be, are you allowing him to steward the ship in what is, quote-unquote, this rebuild? Because I can't, say like from a business perspective that that's a good idea 
Yeah, and and you've already let him like even through this deadline, Rachel. Like you've already let him continue to steer the ship and dole out assets and important things um, and make decisions about the future of the hockey club by not trading James Van Riemsdyk. That inaction is just as big of another action as he took at all. So I mean, you're right. I mean, there has to be, these are huge decisions where like if as, as an ownership group, if you're getting the clear indication, he's not going to make that move leading up to the deadline. I mean, I, I don't know. Don't you have to kind of pull the plug right there? I, I don't know. So, I, to your point, I think that they're they, they maybe they're maybe they're just fine with this. Maybe this is acceptable. I had somebody tell me. I know this, we're talking about the, the Flyers, but you know, it is speaking about ownership, Rachel. Mm-hmm. There's sometimes a wondering, I think, of how tuned in these groups are. And I, I'll use FSG as an example. Like people right. close to the Penguins said to me, like. Are they paying attention to what's happening here? Does anybody know? Like, is anybody? Are they? They're not around. Are they looking? Like, we don't see them. Like, what is this? So, like, what I I know about FSG, and it's because of more the soccer, baseball, um, more the soccer background. FSG is a very analytics-minded company. That's how they operate business-wise. That's how they operate at the Red Sox, and that's certainly how they operate at Liverpool. Um, analytics is a big thing there. Um, it is not a secret that neither Hextall nor Burke are analytics people. Um, I have a lot of respect for both of those guys, but there is a part of me and I do think that they are more than capable, like hockey people. I love the work that Brian Burke does, especially with the LGBTQ plus community. I think he's like hockey's most staunch ally. And like, we need him, frankly, because the way that that segment of people is treated in the game is horrendous. Um, but I do wonder if FSG is sort of questioning what's going on. Like Darren Dreger um, kind of floated it out there that when the JT Miller talks were going down, that maybe FSG got involved and nixed that. And that would be like, nobody who uses analytics is going to tell you to, to acquire any, but not just JT Miller, like any 30 year old with like an eight year contract extension, seven year contract extension. Like that's just analytically a bad idea, regardless of whether it's JT Miller or anybody else. Right. Um, so I do wonder how long they're going to last there. And if, if they don't last, like, do they go a more analytical direction? Like, do we see somebody like Eric Tulski, Sam Ventura, Alexandra Mandricki take over there because at Liverpool, like, Jurgen Klopp is a super forward-thinking individual. That's why he's, like, extremely coveted. Um, and in Boston, I mean, they had Theo Hep- Epstein, did they not? Yeah. Yeah, so, like, you're talking you, about some of the most forward-thinking. story, Rachel? Did you hear about that this summer? Were they the, No. Oh, yeah. So they FSG asked Ron Hextall for him to submit a written formal plan of his vision. Uh, well, that seems like a good idea, yep. He could not do it. Uh, he said it was all in his head. That's not great. Plans up here, Rach. I'm tapping my skull. You can't see it. Plans up here. Mm-hmm. So that that I'm thinking back to that story and and wondering, like, you know, maybe you're right. Um, maybe they are watching a little bit closer than everybody thinks because, you know, they do have a guy in there who uh, was reticent at best to provide them with a written layout of what it was he wanted to do. And maybe if he had written it down sooner, he wouldn't be undoing all these contracts that he had guys sign and then less than a year later trying to get out from underneath them. But uh, Can we just, like, talk about how insane that is, by the way? And, like, I'm not Ron Hextall, but, like, everyone. Like, 
in business, you have to have a, it's called a business plan. Like, and there's forecasting that goes on and there's like meetings and there's budgeting. Yeah. Like think about how asinine it is that we're sitting here being like, okay, in a, a fortune 500 company, some of which who are worth less than the Pittsburgh Penguins all have like these business plans and everything. And you're telling me that the guy at the top of your organization can't come up with a written plan? Like, in what other business venture would that be acceptable? None. None whatsoever is your answer. Like, if somebody said that to me, I'm running a business, and somebody said, I don't have a plan, I'd be like, oh, there's the door. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, if, especially if they're telling you it's in their head, and that it does exist, but they just can't. That's cool. Write it down. The whiteboard's over there. <laughs> the Sam Ventura pool was good. He was here before, obviously, uh, got his doctor. I think it was his doctorate at CMU here, um, and then worked for the team for a good while before leaving and um, going on to a, a, an opportunity. And by the way, like, um, it wasn't like they had this, you know, um, begrudging separation. Like, he got an offer he could not refuse and took it. Like, that was it. It wasn't. Oh, yeah. And, like, look at Buffalo now. It wasn't like he was, you know, forced out or something like that. They, they came and they said, hey, you know, come look at this. And he was like, oh, damn. Uh, so I, that would be a hell of a pool. People in Pittsburgh already know him and um, kind of love him and miss him, I think. So I think that would be a, you know, a, pretty, a pretty good outcome. But um, I, you know, the question I ask you about, about uh, the leash in Philadelphia, I think you know, we're having the same conversations now in Pittsburgh. You know, this, this window, everybody talks about the window here, Rachel. It's the only thing you'll hear about in Pittsburgh. Oh, my God. How much open is the window? Does the window got to maximize that open openness of window. the window? Uh, so I think a lot of people are feeling really discouraged when you're paying, you know, Mikhail Granlund $5 million a year to give you, you know, hopefully more when you could have honestly, show. like you could have paid Brock Besser a little bit more and like Brock Besser is younger scores scores is a big one. Yeah, <laughs> that's a big one. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And he's like similar in age to Gensel. Are you, like, su- are you surprised he didn't move? Um, I need to be very careful in how I answer this. Uh, yes, based on what I was hearing. No, based on what I know about what happens in that front office. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. And uh, what did you think about that heronic trade? Um, because I think like in a vacuum. To get Heronic for that price is a good trade. But why? That's my question. Is like, but like, why about are plans, you doing it? Right? Why? Are, <laughs> what, what is the plan with that trade? Like, what, what? I don't know. That didn't make any sense to me. I mean, I just, just like that's my question. Is we talk about written plans? That I like the player. Don't get me wrong. Like the player. Me Great too. player. Fine player. I got him in the hockey pool. But I got to cheer for him now. But like, <laughs> that was that to me was one of those things that happened on that. In the flurry of all that stuff that was happening that day, that's the one that came across all of us like a bat. And we were like, what? Like, what is going – how did – I don't know. Detroit's got to be happy with that, right? Well, like, what does it say – so, first of all, if Steve Eiserman is like, hey, I'm will- I'm- I want to move off this player, is that not, like, a- an immediate red flag? Like, they did it with JT Miller in Tampa, and guess where he ended up as well? Yeah. I, that's a good point. I would, I would, that's one of those deals where like you see the phone, like the phone ringing there and it's Steve, I would be like, you just be like, I, I have bad service right now. I got to call you back later. I'm not in a position to take this call. Uh, cause them, uh, who else? Um, Colorado just out. Nope. We're not doing that one. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm, I'm with you. Um, 
Yeah, that was like, and there's moves that other teams made too. Like, I love, you know, the, like the, even the Islanders going after Bo Horvat. Like, what's the future? What's their What's their plan look like? I'm not sure. Like, I like the player, love Bo Horvat, but like, I don't know what the the direction we're heading with that with that move is in the future. So, um, there was like a lot of really questionable decisions i thought like this trade trade deadline was weird for me because you had like a few teams that were clearly making very sound good decisions detroit boston toronto uh nashville like san jose and then you clearly had teams that were very not making well thought out decisions and we've talked about a few of them like what did you i guess on the on the other side of things like what do we think about what Boston did? Because I feel like unanimously, like they had to be probably the winners of the deadline. Them in New Jersey, right? The number one argument you get from people about the Boston Bruins is this ambiguous, like weirdo thing about how they got hot too early, right? Like they got hot, <laughs> they got hot too early. They can't keep it going all year. Like that's, that's not gonna work. You gotta get hot at the right time. I, I've been told that dozens of times. I don't know what that means. <laughs> When I ask people, when is the right time? They can't tell me. There's no date on the calendar. I will say this, though, like, in the spirit of, like, that argument, if you want to make that argument that they got hot too early, these are great, like, moves that keep things fresh there. Like, like these are really yeah. good players who add, like, a little added spice to that lineup that's already completely dominant that isn't also, you feel like, moves that are, like, topsy-turvy upset the environment and, like, completely backfire and blow up in your face. So I think the complementary core of what Boston's about and, like, who got them to where they are is not changed at all. Um, those are still going to be the things that make that machine go. But they've brought pieces in uh, that not only fit the motif of what they're doing, Bertuzzi, but are players that, again, keep that, that whole lineup fresh. They keep everybody on their toes. They create a little internal competition. I don't know. Uh, the rich got richer as far as I'm concerned as I, I you know— I thought for me that it would be an easy slam dunk, Rachel, that if New Jersey went out and got Timo Meyer, right? Yeah. That was going to be the tidiest bit of business that could get done. Lock that up. That was going to have them as a very clear winner. It was going to be hard to clear that hurdle because he was such a fit for that system. But man, like, you got to have the conversation now that, like, did Boston snipe them and maybe sneak in there and steal that top spot? And I think the answer to that question might be yes. Well, yeah. And it's not even just that, like, like, I think it's unanimous. Like, Boston is the best team in the league they might be the best team of the salary cap era right like you're talking about tyler bertuzzi being on the fourth line in boston like what are we doing here right you look at their defense core they have three top pair defensemen and a norris candidate like it's it's insane right you they have this luxury now and we talk about like rest and everything they have this luxury where they can just have a rotation of sitting Carlo, Grizzlick, Clifton, whoever else they feel like, Forbert, right? And then it's just like Charlie Orlov and Hampus Lindholm. To be honest, I might sit them every once in a while too. Like every five games or whatever, you're going to sit. Player management going. Exactly. Like, I mean, it's just that team is just so well put together. They're absolutely dominant. Um, Linus Allmark <laughs> on his way to a Vesna and also scoring is wild <laughs> it turns the neutral zone into like this minefield for other teams it's just I, I don't care if you get out of your d zone quickly in transition and you catch them by surprise or you just sit behind your net and take your time and you wait for your lanes to develop it doesn't really make a difference like they got it on lockdown 
Their defensemen are disgustingly aggressive, and they can be aggressive because of their forward support that they have. Like, the whole thing from top down is... I feel like we've been trending in this direction, Rachel, in the last couple of years of, like, how... It's almost like a game of how far can you let your forecheck go, right? Like, how far yeah. can, How far can you take the lid off? And, like, what can you get away with? And, like, you look at like what Rod Brindamore does in Carolina. That team's disgustingly aggressive. They bully other teams. Oh, yeah. I love watching the Canes play. The, the, the Bruins are, like, that... Imagine that series. Like, oh. I don't... It would be insane. I, I just... To me, that's the core tenet of what Boston does. And, like... We talk about all these teams in the East that can roll four lines. Everybody good can roll four lines. They've got six good D that are mobile and can move the puck. Yeah, like you may, you. I mean, look, you may have four lines, but like I don't know that you can stack what Boston has. Like right, I, like top top to bottom right now, pound for pound, best roster in in, in hockey. Oh, a hundred percent. Like I think. You look at it, and to me, like, I look at this and I say, if I can have a conference final of Boston, Carolina, and Colorado, Edmonton, like, sign me up immediately. Immediately. Especially if Colorado's healthy. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm talking proper Colorado, proper Edmonton. And, like, I don't know. Like, I think the Atlantic is going to be just, like, an absolute war. Um, Obviously, you've got Tampa, Toronto, and then the winner of that presumably is facing Boston because I don't think we're Boston. I don't think is losing in the first round. Um, the Penguins, you think the Penguins <laughs> are going to be the team that unseats the Bruins? Well, like, what if, I saw what, Rachel, said- what if Connor McDavid finally makes it to the promised land, right? Gets to yeah. the cup final and he has to go against a once in a lifetime generationally talented <laughs> Boston Bruins team. Like, if he's if that were the dragon that he had to slay to win. There'd be no argument. Like, put him in the Hall of Fame today. Just do it today. Yeah. Right now. They didn't, he doesn't have to retire. We could do it while he's an active player. Uh, like, Boston has three defensemen that are better than any of Edmonton's defensemen. I, I love Cody Cece. Now, <laughs> to be fair, Edmonton has two players that are better than any of Boston's players. The problem is, is once we name those two players, we're naming a lot of Bruins after that. Like it goes, it goes McDavid, Drysital, and then like eleven Bruins before we get. Like maybe Hyman sneaks in there at some point, but like here, let's do. Would you take Hyman over Brad Marchand in the playoffs? No. Bergeron. No. Pasternak. No. Krejci maybe. Mm. Okay, McAvoy. No. Nope. <laughs> Lindholm, nope. Orlov, nope. All right. So we're already at s- yeah, and we haven't even we haven't even gotten to like Taylor Hall and Jake DeBrusque. Like the level of depth on this team. Like I'm sure Hyman fits in there somewhere, but like okay, so now we're talking about three Edmonton players and we've effectively named the entire Bruins roster after that. That's why I right? like, like I- it's crazy everything you just said is why i look forward and again not carolina can't go pound for pound star power like that like we could have a very similar conversation about the hurricanes you'd probably have a smattering of more players in the gap than we had just now uh but from a systems perspective like that's the kind of series that you know carolina forces like a a six seven they get real tough with it maybe they win i i just I, I like the direction we're headed in right now in hockey, Rachel, like period, point blank, right? We've got these supremely yeah. talented young players coming into the game that can do things that no one has ever been able to do ever in the game. 
Um, yeah. That we need to make sure that we're creating an environment where the systems match that. Um, I think we're getting there. And I think that is a series that could be one of those like tide shifting ones in all of hockey where like you see a lot of teams start to sell out in that direction. Um, we could have a lot of fun in the years to come. Um, instead of, yeah, instead of everybody waxing poetic about like big, tough, angry Coleman. <laughs> yeah. Like now we're waxing poetic about how skilled and like, like, Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, Mitch Marner, David Pasternak types. Because that's, I think, what we all want to see. What did you think of, and like, this team has all of a sudden become extremely relevant. Um, Like, they have an 800 winning percentage since the All-Star break. What did you think about Ottawa adding Jacob Chikrin for what they got, for what they gave up? I think a lot of people should be mad that their teams didn't do that business. Like, a lot of people should be angry that they weren't in on that. I think Pittsburgh should be angry they weren't in on it. Um, that was, I mean, it's not a lot for a defense. I went back, Rachel, and watched a ton of tape uh, and watched him play in Arizona, and he's just so much better defensively than I gave him credit for, I think, myself. Yeah. Um, and that's his feet. His mobility is where his strength is, and, and his ability to just pivot so fast and take unconventional, like, turning lanes into a play. Uh, he's going to be so great for them. And you're right, like, that's a red-hot team. Uh, that need a good skating mobile two-way defender like that. Um, it's just insane. He's such a cost-friendly player right now. Like, I, I, what was it? A first it's 4.6. Right? Was that what it was? Yeah, and it's, two seconds? it's such a joke that, like, Edmonton wanted to do the deal. That has been out there. And, like, thank God, because, like, they need to. But, like, Arizona being like, oh, we're not taking any money back. Like, are you kidding? Yeah, I know. Especially, it's the most you know, don't throw stones in glass houses conversation I've ever heard in my entire life, considering what we were just talking about earlier today. Like that's yeah. what a hill to die on, you know? Wow. It's like you deliberately, and I don't think it was Bill Armstrong. Like I think he got hamstrung, right? Like you cannot be a serious hockey team and actively make the trade for your franchise piece worse because you don't want to pay a salary for the rest of the season. Like, you're telling me they couldn't have sent, like, Austin Watson the other way? Or, like, Artem Zub or or anything? Like, what are we doing here? Like, why? You, it, it's a failure on Edmonton to not do that deal. It is. Well, I don't... The problem is, is, like, I don't think Edmonton could because Arizona wasn't willing to take money back. You gotta get creative with how you make that space, Rachel, too, right? Like, I, I know... Yeah, like it's, do it's a three-way trade. Yeah, I don't... Whatever you have to do, like... You know, the, the, you know, Montreal, I think, served as a vector for um, for one of the Penguins deals. They ended up eating space on the Benino trade, I think it was. Um, yeah, Minnesota. somebody if you have to, for Christ's sake. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, they don't they find a way to do it and clear that salary. Like, I just, I, I don't know. I feel like that was just saying, like, well, they won't eat it. Oh, back to having it. Yeah, well, like, look what the Rangers did. replaceable level. You know? <laughs> like, look what the Rangers did with Patrick Kane. They've been playing short for a week to make it work. Like, they played with 11 forwards and 5D the other day. And it's like, you do things to make it work. And, like, you know what? If you want to play, that just means McDavid's got to play more. Oh, no. Like, what a terrible thing. <laughs> rest him later. Ter- yeah. You know when he can rest in July? After you've won the Stanley Cup because of the yeah. number one bona fide defenseman you traded for at the deadline to help him out. But like to me, like how do you not trade for like Chikrin and Vamelka or something like that? Like, or in in LA's case, like you traded your 
one of the best players in franchise history, the best goaltender in franchise history, for Vladislav Gavrikov and Jonas Korpisalo. That's nothing against them, but like, if you're eschewing the best goaltender in franchise history, it better be because you're getting like Jacob Chikrin in return. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like man. what? I don't know. That's that just seems criminal to me. What would you do? Like, Jonathan Quick is to L.A. is what probably like Malkin is to Pittsburgh. Yeah, right. He's not the greatest player in franchise history, but he is. Take take the expansion draft out, Rachel, and pretend that they do that to Mark Andre Fleury. Same thing, right? Like, it's it's no different. Yeah, and it's the like franchise leading winner and, and, and franchise leading winner and wins out the door. And then, did, wasn't there some situation, Rachel, maybe I'm making this up, where he had to, like, be on the plane afterwards with the team? Yep. And, like, with like, that awkward flight with him, like, stewing angry and having to, like, go back Yeah, home. and apparently, like, people were crying, like, players were crying on the flight. But, like, you know how we talked earlier about, like, the Bruins not doing enough to, like, blow up their dressing room? Like, do you think, think about it, Kopitar's there, Doughty's there, I have follows there, like, this is a franchise legend. Is this not a potential to blow up your dressing room? Mikey Anderson just signed that all that term. He's sitting there looking at this going, oh, god damn, that could be me. <laughs> that could that could 100% be me. Like, I, what did I do? <laughs> yeah, and, like, people are blaming Dean Lombardi for not giving him a no-move clause. And I'm like, no, that was good for Dean Lombardi. Like, don't hand out no-move clauses. You expect to treat a franchise legend with just, like, a little bit more respect? Yeah, why and, like, good on Columbus. On like, why is this, can't we just be good? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm with you on that one. Thank God, like, Yarmo Kekalainen, and good on him. I'll trade him back to a contender. Now I extremely want a Vegas-LA playoff series because you're going to have a motivated Jonathan Quick that, like, if he wins the series, so just, like, take off his glove and middle finger that entire L.A. box. You could do, like, a really cool Robin Leonard-style photo with a sword in the back. You know, like, that same sort of, like, oh my st- God. stabbing. You could just flip that around for a new situation. Uh, Instead of Marc-Andre Fleury with a, with the a DeBoer sword in his back, it's 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 Jonathan Quick with, like, the Rob Blake sword in the yeah, back. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. That's exactly Somebody it. Somebody call Alan Walsh. We need to make, make this happen. Set up right now. Yeah, 100%. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. And then I love the, like, the best part about all of it, Rachel, was the Columbus Photoshop, where they put, like, the, <laughs> like, the thank you Jonathan thing out and, like, Photoshopped his head. Like, onto, like, a jersey and everything and, like, made a big deal out of it. Put him in the ring of honor. There were a few, like, real bad photoshops. Like, that Jonathan Quick one. But then there was, like, the Arizona Patrick Kane one. And I was like, you know what? It is one thing if you're, like, Columbus and you're not, like, you're doing something good for a player who deserves more. But, like, Arizona is literally eating money to circumvent the cap. And you were going to make a joke about it. And, like, you used Clayton Keller's, like, stick and helmet. Like... Man, it just, it doesn't look the same. Like, the joke doesn't land the same because everybody knows you're just an absolute, the joke is your franchise. Yeah. Like, that's the joke. Yeah, yeah, that's way better than any meme you posted, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So, it just, like, I don't know, I feel like, and everyone was saying, like, oh, this is so funny. I'm like, it would be funny if this was, like, the only player, but the fact that Chris Pronger is clowning on you is, like, I made a TikTok about that, and, like, it is my most viewed TikTok. It's almost 100,000 views. Because people are like, yeah, like, this is... 
this is ridiculous. Like you, they took on Pavel Datsuk's contract to get the pick that got them Jacob Chikrin. They just traded Jacob Chikrin. That's crazy. Like, I don't know, man. It's just like that. That's that's wild to me. And then it, I, I just like I said, I want them to stay there. You know, I do. Like, me too. I think that the, they've got like we talked about with the roots, but I just the sweaty video. Rachel, like that sent me the sweaty <laughs> Batman video sent me over the edge. Like, can somebody get a towel and wipe? I'm like, what are these people doing releasing this stuff? Like, you got the the meme with the Keller stuff. Like you just said, nobody did a quality check on that first to make sure that shouldn't go out. Like nobody yeah. had a towel around Barry Gary Batman, like standing in the middle of the desert, begging you to go out and vote to keep the team there. Like, get a fan. You know, those little mobile fans, they're battery operators. They hose them down with that or something beforehand. There's just no check. There's no checks in this. These social people need to create a group chat and they all need to vet their work with each other before they post it. That's my advice. Well, yeah. And then you have the New York Rangers uh, social media person getting outed for being a giant homophobe. That was the worst part of all. Can I say say one thing about that before we go? I I saw the screenshots and I'm glad you reminded me to to mention this because I totally forgot in the flurry of everything else that was going on. This, This woman said... That this, the the tweets she gets from the LGBTQ community are yeah. way more hateful than she gets from the folks who don't want a Pride Night. In what way <laughs> is a group of people saying, hey... We would like to be included. Yeah, we'd like to be involved in this process. The same as other people saying like, hey, these people should not exist at all. They shouldn't even like, exist. And then also calling them contemporaries. Like, they were just... Temporaries. Yeah, she said you're contemporaries. <laughs> you're tight. They were just... You guys. <laughs> yeah. You guys over the... Like, in terms of... You have Brian Burke on one end of the spectrum. And then, like, whatever this is... Oh, my gosh. And, like, her and Ivan Provorov are on the other end of the spectrum... But I'm like, I'm sitting there and imagine you're like with all the Pride Night stuff that's happening. Imagine that we know there's a gay player in the NHL somewhere like we do. Right. Or a bisexual player, whatever the case may be. Like you see this on a daily basis. Like no wonder you don't feel comfortable coming out. Like how if you're in that locker room and that's what you see, like you're kidding. Right. And then. Like, getting called out for making, like, the Patrick Kane stuff about her. And then not using proper accessibility texts so that it can be read. Instead of, like, people were using copy-paste paint a copy paste text. So, like, if you're blind, like, and you play the tweet out loud, it doesn't play properly. Like, it's not hard to be, like, on your own personal account, do whatever you want, like, don't be homophobic, but like accessibility text, like do whatever you want. But when you're running a brand account, it's important that it's accessible to people because you don't know what fans you have. And that's why I thought last night when Colorado put out that big tweet defining different parts of the LGBTQ plus community, were there parts that were incorrect? Yes. And you know what? You probably should seek out somebody who's a member of the community that can help you with this. But at the end of the day, that did more to welcome people than pretty much any other team. 
because at least Colorado said, you're welcome here. We value you. As opposed to like whatever Philadelphia and New York and other teams are doing. Like, it's just to have a boilerplate response of like, oh, well, we're not forced to wear it, so we're not going to do it. I'm not forced to celebrate Remembrance Day, but I still do it because I recognize that people made legitimate sacrifices for me to have the freedoms that I have. Like, it's it's, just because you're not forced into doing something doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. Yeah. And I, you know, there's like this last minute pivoting that's happening, right? Where people are finding out, oh, wow, like so-and-so is not going to participate. They're not going to do it. Um, And then there's a scramble, you know, I I just, I guess my question is like, where are these, is it not more appropriate to have these conversations as an organization sooner and try to get a gauge of of what you're doing so that you don't end up inviting a bunch of people to a game and then making them feel like they're not welcome because one of the players that they didn't want to participate, I would probably work a little bit harder to, um, you know, figure out what their experience is going to look like when they get there. Yeah. Right. Like they still they met with reps in the team like it was great. Like, that's good. Um, but like, what are we talking? W- w- are we talking about that? No, we're not. We're not talking about the fact that they had a great night. We're not talking about the fact that like other players that are, were there to support them. We're talking about the ones that weren't. And that's unfortunately and imagine, what's going to grab the attention. Imagine what the reaction would have been if a player decided they weren't going to wear the military appreciation jersey in warm up. Like, we would be, there would be articles written, the ink spilled on that, and the, you know the subsection of Twitter that would just be up in arms and yelling and screaming. To me, those, like, you can buy military stuff. There's not enough teams that have Black Lives Matter or, like, in Vancouver, the Lunar New Year stuff or Pride stuff. Like, Make that merchandise available. Have a pride hat with your team logo. Have t-shirts. Like, I don't understand why you can't have that. Because, like, what if a fan I like wants to wear that and that's what makes them feel comfortable? Like, um, Joe on Twitter, not a fan Joe, designed these like towels for Pride Night in Washington. And they were so great. I was like, can I buy one of these? Not available for per- for purchase. Why not? Yeah. Like, why can't that stuff be made available? If you can make, like, little trinkets and cups and whatever other... And, and like, t-shirts with a mascot on it, you can make pride stuff. Yep. And so, like, for me... And I liked Brian Burke coming out and being like, if I had a player do that, he would be sitting. Yeah. There's nothing in the CBA that says you can't be... You could be healthy scratched. Like, that happens every single game for every single team. And teams get you get scratched for disciplinary reasons. That could be a disciplinary reason. You're still getting paid, so it's not like there's a CBA violation. Like he's not docking your pay. You're just sitting in the press box, and like that could be performance based. That could be team disciplinary based. Like Tyler Sagan sat because he missed a breakfast. You want to tell me that missing breakfast is more important than not being homophobic? Like, just think about that for a second. Gets yeah, the scales are a little lopsided there. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's not, and I'll tell you this, the last thing I'll say, like, there's just not enough listening going on. It's, it was fun to do this. Let's do this again. Maybe. Please. Anytime. Yeah, we're going to do this. Jesse's going to come on more often. Um, we're also going to have guests on because like, I feel like we haven't had guests on in like forever. So like, maybe we'll get Pat to come on. Yeah, there we go. 
Yeah. Hat's doing a uh, big uh, big show today in Pittsburgh, so um, he's ready. He's, he's he's dusted off. We'll get him get him in the fold. We'll get him on. Yeah. Here. All right. Well, it was great to do this with you. I'm glad we had like this catharsis and like of like true analysis of we jumped around, but I feel like we caught like every big thing. I don't think we left anything behind. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess it's my chance to close it out. If you want to listen to this episode, previous episodes, you can go uh, find us on Apple, Spotify or the hockey news.com slash podcast. We will be back later this week with more hard-hitting analysis and more fun. Jesse, thanks for doing this. Thank you.